Hi friends, welcome to the podcast Care Package to Japan, where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. I am your host, Evangeline, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Care Package to Japan. So today we have a very, very special guest. His name is Matthew Chan, and he is a very good friend of mine. He is a techie, a missionary, and he's actually super, super artsy fartsy. <laughs> he currently lives in the city of San Francisco. He's a part of Crazy Love Ministry, which is a part of Francis Chan's ministry. And he is also one of the co founders at Basil Tech, which is a nonprofit organization based out. Based out of Silicon Valley. What I really appreciate about Matt is that he genuinely really loves Jesus and he really cares about advancing the kingdom of God through his technical craft. So he literally left his six figure tech paying, high paying job to become a digital missionary. So I think that's really rad. So, yeah, Matt, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today for an episode of Care Package to Japan. Well, thank you. It's a joy to be here with you on this podcast, and I look forward to、um, our conversation. So, Matt, I know you pretty well because we pray together every week, but can you please give an intro to who you are to the audience? Because they obviously don't know who you are. So, who is Matthew Chan? What are some of your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing outside of work, outside of tech, outside of code? That's a lot of different things. Yeah. Cool. I'll just start at the beginning then.、Uh, I was born in foggy San Francisco. And growing up over here,、um, it was cold and foggy all the time. I used to felt that way as a child.、Um, and when I turned eight years old, my parents、um, took a look at me and my siblings and were like, Our kids are becoming too Americanized. They're losing their Chinese culture. We gotta move to Hong Kong. So when I was eight years old, my whole family moved to Hong Kong. And it was super sunny over there and like really hot、um, and totally different culture, right? And while I was there, I was like, oh, this is cool.、Um, I slowly got used to living in a foreign country.、Um, I got Chinese culture injected into me Chinese language, Chinese food. Um, and then eight years later, my parents looked at us again and were like, okay, our kids are too Chinese now, gotta move back to America. So I came back to California when I was 16 years old and basically went to high school here, college, and started working as a software engineer here in the Bay Area. That's kind of like how my journey started.、Um, uh, the first move from San Francisco to Hong Kong, I was like, okay, I'm Chinese, I look Chinese, I'm going to this country, Hong Kong, where I will fit in, right? Because I'm Chinese. But when I get there, I open my mouth and everyone there knows immediately that I'm not from there. I have an accent. My Cantonese is not good enough to be native. And so that was, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not that Chinese. But then over eight years, I felt like, okay, I've kind of gained the culture now. And I came back to the States. When I came back to America, I was like, okay, I'm going back home now, going back to where I was born.、Um, I should fit in now, right? I came to America and once again, I find that I don't fit in anymore. Like, I'm too Chinese now. I missed out on all this American pop culture, like Friends or NSYNC、mm. and all that. And I started wondering wait a minute, like, I didn't belong in Hong Kong because I wasn't Chinese enough. 
I don't belong in America because I'm not American enough. Like, where do I belong? And I feel like the gospel entered in at that moment and God started showing me that there's this heavenly kingdom where I'll finally belong, where it won't be dependent on how well I speak Chinese or how much pop culture I know, but it's culture based off of his love for us. And this culture that brings in all different cultures around the world, uh, people of all nations. And so from that young age, I thought like the Lord started instilling me kind of as a third culture kid, um, this understanding of the gospel being a kingdom gospel. So Matt and I actually know each other because every week we get together on Zoom and we pray for Basil Tech, which is where he is leading at. And Matt, if you don't mind, can you tell the audience how you transitioned or how you got into digital missionary? Um, because you left Silicon Valley, you left your you know high-paying engineering job to become a digital missionary, and I think that's such an interesting story. As I mentioned, I had come back to the States at that point and uh, started working as a software engineer in the industry at big enterprise companies and small startup companies. And in the midst of that, um, this question kind of came up for me where I was like, God, I read about in, in your word that you want us to give you our first fruits, right? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of see people giving God their first fruits, the sacrifices and all that. And I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm, 21st century American, like we don't do sacrifices anymore. Like I'm not a farmer, so I can't give you my best crops. I'm not a shepherd, I can't give you my best sheep. Like what is it that I'm supposed to give you, God, right? And I asked my pastor that at that time and he said, oh, um, maybe it's like your tithe, maybe like the thing you tithe to a church, right? The money you give, or maybe it's the time it's the volunteering time that you serve in church and the ministry. And that's kind of your offering unto the Lord. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. So I, I tithed and I gave my time and volunteered at church and ministry. But somehow that answer never really satisfied me because I was like, is that really the best of what I have? Like like the best of my crop, the best of my work, the best of everything that God's given me is my time, my tithe, that thing. And in that midst of me searching for an answer to the question, um, God connected me to some mini ministry friends. Um, and we were looking around ourselves and we saw how so many people here in the Bay Area, that brothers and sisters in Christ, had the same question. They're like, what is my purpose? How can I use my gifts for the kingdom, right? Um, how do I use those gifts? Because I'm a developer, I'm a designer, I'm a project manager, but within a church body, there often isn't a role for a developer or a role for a designer or a project manager. So what can I do, right? And so out of that kind of need and that problem, uh, we formed this group called Basil Tech. Um, it's a group of volunteers that we will meet up every single week and not just talk about God's kingdom, not just learn about it, but we actually want to do things for it. We actually want to like build the kingdom of God, right? Um, and the Bible verse that we look to a lot is Exodus 35, 30. It's where um, God is telling the uh, his people, the Israelites, to build a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And so he gathered all these craftsmen and artisan and said, hey, like, 
I want you guys to build it, and I'm gonna have this guy, uh, the lead artisan guy, kind of like lead you guys and project manage you guys as you guys build the tabernacle. Um, the name of that lead artisan guy was called Basilel, and he was a guy that had all the gifts. Like he was good at stone, he was good at cloth, he was good at wood, and, and he good at project management. Um, but the way Bible describes it as these artisans are working building a tabernacle, God had to also fill them with His Spirit. So using their skills. And people the spirit to build God's tabernacle, and we're like, whoa, that's exactly what we want to do. And so we took the name Basilel, which is really hard to spell, and no one knows how to write down. We shortened it down to the herb basil, so it's a little bit easier to um, get a, a domain name for, a little bit easier to tell people about. So that's kind of where basil tech kind of uh, came out of our desire to use our gifts technology for the kingdom. Yeah. So, Matt, I know that you love technology. You love Jesus. You love ministry. You love missions. You love advancing God's word. Um, and I'd love for you to just like tell the audience a little bit about some of your hobbies outside of you know work. Why do you? Um, yeah. What do you love? What do you like about Japan? Why Japan? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I guess that actually ties together. Like um, when I was growing up in Hong Kong, a lot of the entertainment I watched as a kid were actually imported anime from Japan that they had uh, dubbed um, or subbed in English. And so basically, I grew up like watching like all the anime and all the uh, Japanese drama series. Um, and that the thing shaped, I think, who I am today. Like, I think, like, just the appreciation for art form. Like, anime was like so far ahead. I feel like in terms of art and telling stories, that it really made me want to like make art and tell stories and like draw people into like the beauty that um, God had. I think kind of blessed us with, right, with this world and all that's in it. And so, um, I. In my heart of hearts, I think of myself as a designer, but I end up being a programmer um, instead. And so, oftentimes I try to do uh, um, programming things that are kind of more artsy. Um, I love like doing um, little prototypes. I love like doing digital art. Uh, for a period of my life, I actually was uh, getting to digital animation. Um, was taking classes and was um, actually trying to get into that field, but um, I feel like the Lord's kind of given me a greater desire in my heart now for um, missions and His heart for our nations. Like I feel like I still can love art, I still can like make art, but like I feel like He's given me like a, a bigger picture of um, not just what I can satisfy myself with, like making things beautiful. But um, how we can join in with what God's doing in terms of what He's doing to make the world redeemed and beautiful once again, and so yeah, that's some of the things that I like doing. Okay, let's talk anime for a little bit. What were some of your like absolute favorite anime growing up from your childhood? I think like many people, I'm a big Hayao Miyazaki fan. Yes, I totally agree. Which one's your favorite, Matt? Okay. I really, really, really like、uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Ooh, why? Oh man,、um, I feel like it actually speaks to what do you do when like life gets hard, 
Um, what do you do when you hit a creative block? Like, what do you do, like, as you're trying to find yourself, like, when everything doesn't turn the way you expect it, right? Mm. And when I watched it as a child, I don't think I understood all these questions or even really had an answer for it. But I feel like through the story of Kiki, like something kind of starts happening inside of you where you start like kind of um, in a way like maybe placing your life in parallel to the story and seeing parallels like, oh, my life is like Kiki's life because of this or that. Mm. Um, and it gives you a little bit more hope that like even this fictional story that this character can make it through those hard times you're like huh i guess i could make it through this as well like mm-hmm. um and so i really love that story i love the artwork i love the music with it i love the gentle yeah. feel of it yeah i really appreciate how you talked about you know what to do when there's a setback what to do when you face disappointment what to do when things don't go as expected because that ties in to the story of why you decided to go to Japan for the very first time. I know this story, but I'd love for you to tell the audience your awesome story as well. It's a it's a fun story, I think, in some ways. In hindsight, it's a fun story. Um, so it starts off uh, back when I uh, turned 30 years old and when I turned 30 um, strangely enough or not that strangely enough I had been single all my life up to that point um, I determined at a young age that I had no interest in getting married or in for relationships I was a total bookworm and my goal was actually to become a librarian and find a nice big library somewhere to like read books until I die basically. I managed to make it to 30 years old without having dated anyone or been in a relationship or thinking much about marriage at all. But um, the funny story was that in the midst of that I was serving in this ministry um, and as I was serving in this ministry my friend said hey Matt you should ask out that girl on the worship team. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I'm I'm doing the sound and PowerPoint in the back. Like, there's no way I can ask out that girl on the worship team. Because I don't even know this, but it's kind of like high school, like where there's like the jocks. And so the, the sound and PowerPoint people, they're the nerds and the geeks. The worship team, the worship band, they're like the cool people on the stage. They're the, 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 the jocks and the cheerleaders. Too cool. And so, you know, like those two worlds are not going to intersect. There's no way you can like ask someone out from the other side. So I thought it was impossible. But one time that girl, she came to the back of the sanctuary to get her microphone from the sound team. And I, I gave her the mic and somehow in the midst of that, I gathered the courage to ask her out to coffee. And I don't know what happened, but somehow she said yes. And I was super surprised, right? Because 30 years old, I had always thought that asking a girl out would be the hardest thing ever and that she would definitely say no, right? Like, but she said yes so easily. I was in shock. I was like, wait a minute, I knew it was this easy. I would have tried years ago. I wouldn't have thought about being a single librarian somewhere, right? And so I was really surprised, but it was really fun. So I went for coffee and um, after that, we went on some like hikes and other dates and stuff or, or friend friendly things. I don't know, they were called dates back then. And at one point, I then asked her to be my girlfriend. And once again, she said yes. And I'm just like, man, this is going so great. This is so smooth. Like, everything's awesome. And 
I thought like that we were perfect for each other because everything we were interested in was the same. Like I love Japanese culture. She loved Japanese culture. Like, like we love the food. We love the,、uh, the anime. We love the drama series, love the music, right? Like I drove a,、uh, Acura TSX carbon gray color. She drove exactly the same car, exactly the same color. I was like,、oh, what the、wow. heck? Like, I'm like, she's from Hong Kong. Like, I'm from Hong Kong. And the funny thing is that、um, we had exactly the same last name. So if she had, if we got married, she wouldn't have to even change her name. The relationship was great. And I was just like in、um, heaven, basically, because it was so good. But after a few months in the relationship,、uh, one day I get this text from her. And this text, she says, hey, let's, let's break up. And I'm like, what? What's going、oh、on?、Gosh. Like, I thought everything was going good. Like, what, what's going on? And it was devastating because, as I mentioned, it's my first relationship. I had always thought of myself as a logical person, like a Spock from Star Trek, right? But in that moment, I found out that I did have emotions, and those emotions were bubbling up. <laughs> and、mm. I was like, what are these emotions? Like, how do I deal with this? I don't know. And so, what I did at that moment was I took my car, I drove to the top of a mountain, and I started driving down that mountain really, really, really fast, going around these hairpin turns, like clinging on for dear life, just zooming down the mountain. Because I was thinking to myself, like, I don't want to think about her.、Mm. And the only way I can do that is if I put my life on the line, then I'll just be focused on driving, then I won't think about her, right? <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was a good idea because it actually worked. It, it did work. Like, I stopped thinking about her when my life was on the line. Except、um, eventually I reached the bottom of the mountain and I started thinking about her again. And I was like, this is not going to work. I can't keep driving mountains. Like, I am not an initial D. This is not an anime. So, I need a more permanent solution.、Um, and As I was thinking of a permanent solution, I thought to myself, you know what? Back when we were dating, we had talked about how we both love Japan culture and want to go visit Japan because neither of us had been before. And so I was like, you know what I can do? Just to spite her, I'm going to go to Japan by myself. I'm going to、yeah. go、yeah. and show her that I don't need her. And I'm going to enjoy all the things that we said we're going to enjoy together, but I'm going to enjoy that myself because. I don't need her. So that's what I thought. So、mm-hmm. I went online, I looked up a, a plane ticket to Japan, and I planned out for how to go there for two weeks over Christmas break. So Christmas break rolls around, and I fly to Japan with backpack. And this is the first time in Japan. And oh my goodness, like it was everything I dreamed of. Like Japan、mm-hmm. was amazing. I landed at Narita Airport. I had it in the Shinjuku. I got completely lost in the, in the train station over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.、Um, and everywhere I went, like the food was delicious. The people were polite. The sights and sounds were just like, wow, this is just like from the movies, right?、Um, but as I was going around Japan, kind of just seeing the sights and sounds, it was weird because I would see like a Japanese girl walk by, like she would flick her hair over her shoulder. And that split second, I thought to myself, wait, did my girlfriend just walk by me? Did my ex girlfriend just walk by me? Like, I looked close. Wait, that's not. That's a, a random Japanese girl walking by, right? And I was like, wait, why is my brain hallucinating? Like,、mm. I know she's not here, but why do I think these girls walking by are her, right? Like, she's not here. She's not here. And 
I found myself really struggling to like not be thinking about her and to like really be there and enjoy Japan without having to like carry all this baggage. And I tried really hard though. I, I tried to go see all the sights and sound. I tried to eat all the foods.、Um, and after doing that for a while, it ended up it was a、uh, Christmas Eve, nighttime of Christmas Eve. I was sitting in my hotel room. And I was thinking to myself, why am I sitting in this hotel room? I should go out there and do something tonight, right? It's Christmas Eve,、um, so I opened my、uh, Lonely Planet tour guide to Tokyo. I flipped through it looking for places to go, and I saw an entry for、um, the Tokyo Tower、um, in Rapunki Hills. And I said that every year Christmas they put a gigantic Christmas tree over there with beautiful lights and all that. And so I said, "Oh, perfect! I'll go there, take some photos, and kind of just see Rapunki Hills, and it'll be great, right?" So I got my camera gear, got my backpack, and I headed down to take the JR、uh, train to、um, Rapunki Hills. And I'm I'm walking through the streets, and there's a crowd full of couples, right, celebrating Christmas Eve. I did not realize at that time that.、Um, Christmas Eve in Japan is not like here in America. Like for them, it's like a second Valentine's Day.、Yeah. It is right, and、wow. so all the couples were celebrating. So I get a subway, and it's also jam-packed with couples as well. By myself and single, and yeah, it was. I was in total self-pity mode. Right, I make it to Rapunki Hills, and I take photos of the tree, and I think to myself, oh. There's a 360-degree、uh, observation deck on top of the tower, right? Let me go up there and see the night lights. I heard that it's very beautiful, right? So I buy my ticket and I squeeze on this elevator to go up there. And the elevator is jam-packed full of these short Japanese couples. I'm a tall guy, right? So my head and shoulders are sticking up above the sea of like Japanese couples in this elevator, and they all look at me because. I'm obviously the only single guy in the elevator, and I'm just embarrassed, like trying to like hide myself in a corner.、Mm. Um, and we make it up to top, make it to observation deck, and walk out the elevator, and it's like this beautiful observation deck, dimly lit, Christmas carols playing over the PA system, beautiful night lights outside the windows, and jam packed full of snuggling, cuddling couples. I'm like, what the heck? Why did I come to the most romantic spot in Tokyo as a single guy? This is the worst place for me to be right now. Like,、mm-hmm. but since I was there and I paid for a ticket, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna tough this out. I, I'm gonna stay here for at least a moment and see the nightlife before I run away. So、mm-hmm. I found a little snack store. I bought a katsu cutlet sandwich and a small can of Coke, and I found a little、uh, window seat to sit. And look out over the city, and I sat down. And Tokyo is beautiful. Tokyo is so beautiful at nighttime. Like you just see the whole city in front of you, and there's the Rainbow Diver Bridge out on that side, and the little cars and taxis going through the streets, and the skyscrapers and the lights all over the city. I remember I was sitting there looking out over Tokyo and listening to the Christmas carols. And that moment, I realized that these Christmas carols were being sung in English, and these couples, these Japanese couples next to me in the observation deck, they probably didn't even understand what that song was singing about. These songs were about Jesus being born on Christmas Eve, God coming down to Earth in human form to save us because He loved us so much. 
I had to look out over the city of Tokyo thinking that I realized, wait a minute, Tokyo is celebrating Christmas Eve tonight. But they don't even know what they're celebrating. To them, it's like the second Valentine's Day, right? Like, I was like, whoa, like, how does that happen? And as I was thinking that, the Holy Spirit gut punched me. I thought the Spirit was saying to me, Matt, it's not just these like Japanese couples next to you that like don't know what they're hearing on this Christmas Carol. It's not just this city of Tokyo that's celebrating Christmas Eve without knowing what it's about. This very night, Matt, you too, you forgot about Christmas Eve. You forgot about Jesus. You made it about yourself and your broken relationship and what you wanted. And I just started bawling. I just started crying because I was like, wait, how, how did I forget? I've been a Christian for so long. I know what Christmas is about. I know that Jesus was born. Like, But that very day, I had just been so mired in my self-pity and my loss and what I wanted and what I didn't have and what I couldn't have that I had forgotten the most important thing. I forgot about Jesus. Um, in that moment, I just felt like this, I don't know, the tender, the tenderness of the spirit. Um, this is a comfort of spirit that, like, Jesus knew. He knew what I was going through. But I felt like in that moment, he was showing me something bigger. I felt like he showed me that, man, this is there's a country of Japan in front of you. And you see the people are so blinded to what they're celebrating that they can celebrate Christmas without even celebrating Jesus. There's a country of people that need to know the gospel, that are yearning to know the gospel. They're, they don't even know that they're yearning for it. Like, Matt, can you put aside your your relationship? Can you put aside your self-pity? Can you put aside what you want and see what God's heart is for this nation of Japan, for the, the Japanese people? And I was like, oh man, yeah, I'm sorry, God. Like, yes, the, 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 give me give me a greater heart for Japan, Lord. Like, I want to see these people know you. Um, I want to see them fall in love with you. Um I came back from that trip to Japan, just like struck by God's heart um, for the Japanese people. And um, I started like diving more into ministry, like really trying to serve and to love God more. And then God opened opportunities for me to go back to Japan after that. But um, that's kind of my first experience with Japan and how God kind of really changed my heart through the course of that. So. Wow, Matthew, thank you so, so, so very much for sharing. This is not my first time hearing this story, yet every time I listen to it, I just thoroughly enjoy it. So thank you so much for sharing. And I really appreciate how you talked about when you were wallowing in your pain, when you were wallowing um, in your hurt from the, from the breakup, because I feel like God is just so tender that even as we can't see past our own hurt, can't see past our own pain, He reaches in, in those deepest, darkest moments and remind us to look up, to look towards Him. And I love to hear from you if you have any words of encouragement for our listeners, because this is a season that is difficult for a lot of people um a lot of people are going through various trials a lot of people have different circumstances um 
where oftentimes people feel like they can't see past um, the situation. Yeah, oh, that's, that's so true. Um, I feel like, like even as we're kind of like going through season like COVID and even as we're right now approaching Valentine's Day, there's probably so many people that are dealing with the stress um, and the idea of being lonely. Um, I think the thing that I definitely want to encourage people in is that if they, if you know Jesus um, and you know the identity that he's given to you as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a adopted co-heir of Christ, um, that's something that he has secured by his blood. Like, like even as our church was taking communion today, like I just reminded that it's a remembrance of a covenant, that a new covenant that Jesus secured with his blood. And when we think about this new covenant, it's actually this new identity that we have in him now. Like I'm no longer like this guy who doesn't have a special someone. I'm no longer someone who um, is um, doomed with sin or with brokenness um, that can never be healed. No, actually I am um, now a new person in Christ. I've been redeemed, I've been saved. Um, And there's that constant struggle in us where we're like, I don't feel very redeemed sometimes. I don't feel very saved. I think it comes from our, sometimes it comes from our own um, attempts to to, like be righteous, right? Like I'm just gonna do more, I'm gonna study the Bible more, I'm gonna pray more. And the more we try to do that, the I think the harder it is to have identity that is secure because we will fail at that. And if we fail, then we might think our identity has failed and we might think of ourselves as being so broken once again. And my encouragement is like, like turn to Jesus and recognize that he has secured it. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb of God and only he could have done it. And he did it. He did it by making a new covenant in his blood for us. And so um, as you're in those moments where you're just struggling with like, why can't I like make this work? Like, why can't I find him? Um, I think my question for you, like, okay, Jesus knows that you're going to have troubles with that. Jesus knows it's pretty much impo- it's impossible for you. But he, by his work and by his righteousness, he will make it possible. And he has made it possible. And we get to have that reassurance. So um, hopefully that's encouragement to our brothers and sisters out there that like Jesus loves you so much. that He didn't want you to um, let's be so focused on like what you couldn't do or where you failed at but for you to focus on what he has done and what he has accomplished and what he will continue to do on you. Yeah, Matt, I just really appreciate how deeply you are connected to the Lord, deeply you are connected to the Holy Spirit. And I just love your tender heart. And I just love how you wear your heart on the sleeve. That is something that is so beautiful. Thanks. Um, I feel like it's one of those funny things. Like I mentioned, begin this story, how I felt like Spock like with no emotion but in the years since then the lord has opened my eyes that yeah and for me to learn how to express those emotions uh, for me to learn how to bring those emotions before the lord and ask for his help in that and give him praise for that um 
and even to recognize that God has emotions in this supernatural, yeah. godly, perfect way. Like He has emotions toward us. Um, he's not this cold, passionless God. Like He loves us. Mm-hmm. Like that's so crazy to think about that. That He loves each one of us. He loves the people of Japan. He loves the mm. people of America and in China and Africa and Europe and Russia and all over. He loves us. Um, yeah. And would He like open the eyes of the nations even more to that? Right? Like. Um, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so before we wrap up the episode, I ask every single one of my guests this question: What is something Japanesey that you absolutely cannot live without? So it can be like a phrase, a type of food, Shiba Inus, anything at all. Oh, there's so many things. I, I feel like I've been so influenced by Japanese culture. I'll just name. How about I name、um, two things? Whenever I go home, I don't know why, but I say "tadaimas,"、oh. and I'm like, "Why do I say that?" <laughs> like, like no one hears it.、Um, no one really speaks Japanese where I live. But I want to thank you, Lord, for that.、Um, and the second thing that I do a lot, which is also similar, is whenever I'm about to eat lunch or dinner or whatever, like I like saying "tadaimas,"、oh. and. If I mind, I'm thinking, God, like, thank you, thank you for this food, thank you for this blessing. I just want to lift this up to you, Lord. And、yeah. um, like for me, it definitely, I feel like it gives me that moment to also like pray for people in Japan as well, right? Like they're on my heart, they're on my mind. I want to intercede for them on behalf of the Lord. And so,、um, yeah, those are just like two fun things that I feel like are tied into my life. Yeah, Matt, thank you so much for mentioning that because. I think a lot of times, you know, we all have these deposits that are from the Lord of these passions for Japan, for the nations, for various things, and we don't know what to do with it. And sometimes it's as simple as lifting up a five-second prayer before we eat, or it can look like a four-hour intercession for. Japan, but I think our God is big enough where He hears our four-hour intercessions or our five-second prayer, as we say, "itadakimas."、Um, so yeah, I really, man, I just really appreciate you mentioning that because God is so much bigger than we imagine, and He can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Yeah, and thank you, Evangeline. Like, I just so appreciate you, like. For your heart for Japan, and even like doing this podcast, just continue to encourage and point people toward what God's doing there.、Um, I believe that He has great things in store for Japanese people, and、uh, just really appreciate everyone、um, in the prayers for the country of Japan. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast today, or if you enjoy this show. Feel free to leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, and please rate us. This helps other people find the show, and we just really appreciate all of your love and support. Thank you so much. Until next time, bye.